Good morning. Turn with me in your Bible, if you have one, if you brought it with you, to Matthew chapter 25. We are finishing up a series today where we have been uh, looking over the past uh, month since the first of the year, we've been looking at some new beginnings, different characters in the Bible that had some new beginnings. Today I want us to look at really a, a group of people that had a new beginning. It's people who were faithful servants. And uh, we want to kind of, I think there's some principles here that all of us can learn from. So I'm going to read through this story first, uh, and then we'll kind of unpack it. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, it, we need to define the it. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Somebody asked him a question about what, times and signs and when, the, when is the kingdom going to come? When are, when are you going to set up the kingdom and get rid of all these uh, unbelievers? When are you going to really set up your kingdom? Uh, and he's answering. And he says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gathered two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Story goes on, but we're going to quit right there. And we'll, I'll, I'll talk about what we're missing here in a minute. But I want us to see this story, this parable. It's, a, it's basic, it's foundational. Jesus is telling us something really crucial that is foundational about Christianity. And I hope that you're listening today because... This, what, I, what I'm going to tell you is going to liberate you if you'll pay attention and you haven't heard this before. Because the typical Christian in America doesn't take their Christianity outside the church doors. They're Christians in church on Sunday morning. But when they go out, out back into their neighborhood, when they go back into their homes, when they go into the workplace, they kind of leave that Christianity behind. That's for church because we don't want to offend anybody out here. And we limit ourselves. 
because we're not practicing what we just learned here, that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like somebody who gets entrusted with some stuff and they benefit, they, they grow the stuff and then they give it back again on judgment day. So this is basically Christianity. I want us to, uh, to look at five rules. I'm calling them rules. They're principles that have to do with Christianity, and I hope that we can apply them to our lives. Here's rule number one from this story. It's the rule of stewardship. Now, that's a word we don't use very much in our American culture, but stewardship is simply being a steward. In other words, it's taking care of someone else's assets, someone else's goods. Someone puts that in your care, and you're responsible for it. That's stewardship. Are we good stewards? Are we not good stewards? Because you came into this world with absolutely nothing. And you will leave this world, guess what? With absolutely nothing. It's what you make of it down here that counts in this life. So there was a man on a journey. We know the man is Jesus Christ. He's painting a picture for us, a word picture to describe spiritual things to normal, natural people in the world that, like we live in. And this man, when he left on his journey, entrusted his wealth to them. Whose wealth was it? Was his wealth. Didn't belong to them. Was his This is important. Everything you have is on loan to you. You didn't come into this world with anything and you're not going to take anything out. Everything you have, all the blessings, all the benefits, all, all the stuff that you've accumulated in your life is all on loan. And we're expected to be responsible because it's not our stuff. It's His. And He's going to come back one of these days. Now, he divvied out these assignments differently to different people. Did you catch that? One servant, he gave five bags of gold. Another servant, he gave two bags of gold. Third servant, he gave one bag of gold. According, each according to their ability. Not everybody's the same. Have you figured that out yet? Some people just work harder than other people. Some people work smarter than other people. Some people take bigger risks than other people. We're all different. And it's the master's job to keep an eye on every one of us and know what our abilities are. But listen, there wasn't a single one of them didn't get some investment. He entrusted each of them with something that he thought they could be successful with. Every one. Because everybody's different. And he knows us inside and out. Maybe, maybe you thought you were pretty sneaky and you were able to pull the wool over some people's eyes. Nobody pulls the wool over his eyes. Amen. He knows every secret about us and still loves us. Amen. And still has hopes for us, still believes in us. That's amazing. Some, some years ago, uh, Anita and I bought a car. It wasn't new, but it was new to us, maybe a year or two old. And uh, she really liked it. The church provided a car for me to drive, so she was, it was the one that she was going to drive. 
And it was a Chrysler 300M. Nice red color. I'll tell you, she looked nice in that car. (laughs) And we just got that car, and we were trying to figure it out. You know, every time you get a new car, there's all kinds of buttons and switches, and you got to relearn every time you get a different car. So she wanted me to drive it. So I was driving her car, and uh, we went down to, we decided to, because we were driving on gravel roads, we decided we'd run it through the car wash. That's when Noel Smith had a car wash open down here on US 6. And we were going into that car wash, and uh, we were trying to figure out how some things were working. So uh, we got out the manual, trying to read the manual on how to make, how you work these things as we're going into the car wash. Well, as we got in the car wash, it got so dark in there, you couldn't read the manual. So I'm going to reach up and turn on the light so we can read the manual. What I didn't know is I hit the button for the, the sunroof. <laughs> we're in the car wash, and the sunroof's coming open. I d- I don't know what button to hit. I obviously hit the wrong one. I, my judgment's pretty bad here. I'm in trouble. We're both in trouble. She's screaming at me. Close that up. I was screaming. Yeah. Yeah, because she was getting as wet as I was. Finally, we hit the right button and the thing went closed. Lesson learned. Read the manual before you get in crisis. This is a manual on how to live your life. This is a manual that tells you what not to do, what to do, how to get God's favor in your life, how to keep yourself from getting in hot water. (laughs) Read the book. Read the book. The sad thing is most Christians haven't read the book. They've read the parts they wanted. They've read the parts they liked, but they didn't read the whole thing. This is the whole manual on how to run your life's vehicle through life. So that's the rule of stewardship. You don't have anything. The master's put it in your hands. You're responsible for doing something belongs to him because one of these days he's going to come back again and there's going to have to be an accounting. And accounting means, you know, it's like the end of the month and you're balancing your checkbook. That's the accounting. That's when you find out if you messed up. The reason you do that once a month is if you don't catch an error, it's going to carry over again and again and again. The same thing's true in your life. Here's rule number two, the rule of profitability. Your life is to be profitable. The first servant doubled his investment. The second servant also doubled his investment. It's the third servant that got in trouble. And every time I've preached this message in the past, I've always focused on the third servant, the guy who just hit it, didn't do anything with it. I'm not, I don't want to, in this message, talk about the one who didn't uh, use his talent. I want to talk about what, are, what happens when you do use your talent. What happens when you do what he wants you to do? What's the positive result in that? So the rule of profitability... The first servant doubled his money. The second servant doubled his money. And both of them, both of them got this response. Well done, good and faithful servant. God was just as pleased as the guy who ended up with 10 as he was with the guy who ended up with 4. 
Do you see that? He just wants us to grow. He just wants us to prosper. He just wants us to try, and then he'll bless us in return. I want to read for you a prayer that comes out of the Old Testament, and I hope you will today grab a hold of this prayer and make it yours. This, by the way, this prayer is in 1 Chronicles chapter 4.10. If you want to write that down, you can look it up. Maybe write it out, put it on your refrigerator, and keep saying this prayer repeatedly. It's a prayer of Jabez. <clears throat> He's, Jabez cried out to the, Lord, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I want God to grant my request, and I want to pray a prayer like that. I want to say that over again. Lord, enlarge my territory. Broaden my abilities. If you're a salesperson, God, give me more people to buy my merchandise. If you're a truck driver, say, God, give me a bigger truck. Expand, expand. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. How many times has Jesus used a parable talking about the kingdom and talk about a seed that gets planted? And then it grows into something great. Over and over again, he's always talking about growth because he wants us to grow. Expansion. I read this past week a story of a missionary from the latter 1800s in China before their cultural revolution and missionaries could go into China. And this particular missionary went back in some remote area where there were farmers and they were, their, their number one crop was potatoes. And so he was watching how they did it because he trying to build a relationship with them so that he could talk with them about Christ. And he noticed that their potato harvest were real tiny things, about the size of marbles. That was their harvest of potatoes. And he looked at those potatoes and he said, that's your potato crop? And they said, yeah, potatoes grow really good here. And he said, don't you ever have any big potatoes? They said, oh, every now and then we get a big potato, but that's what we eat. These are the ones we, we plant. And he said, try this. Instead of eating your big potatoes next time, use those for seed potatoes. And they did, and guess what? They started getting big potatoes. You see, they had, it's a genetic thing. They had been breeding size out of their potatoes. They kept putting the tiny little runts. They kept planting the runts in the ground. It's a genetic thing, and they didn't know it. And so they kept putting these tiny little potatoes back in the ground for seed, and they kept reproducing tiny potatoes. What's the lesson for us? Plant your big ones, not your little ones. If you're going to, be, if you're going to use your gift, if you're going to make donations, if you're going to use your finances, if you're going to use your skills for the kingdom, do it in a big way, not in a little way. Think what you re- want your result to be and, and invest and plant seeds accordingly. The rule of profitability. God wants you to prosper. In spite of what, it, what everybody else is doing, he wants you to be successful. We have to keep thinking this way because the devil will try to lie us out of that. Here's rule number three. It's the rule of return. What you give out comes back to you. It's the rule of return. Now, our story says, come and share your master's happiness. 
Didn't say anything about your happiness. Come and share your master's happiness. You make God happy, he'll make you happy. I've learned this the hard way. God is not the least bit concerned about my happiness. He's not my Santa Claus. He's not there just to make me happy. I'm here to make him happy. So I need to discover what his goals are, what his priorities are, what, what, turns, what lights his fire, what, what he is passionate about. If I tap into that, then he takes care of me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The blessings are a result. It's not what we seek. See, it's an attitude thing. It's the rule of return. What makes God happy is you in this fallen planet being successful. It's you working for him. And he's not interested in bags of gold and how many you can reproduce. He's interested in souls. So he's interested in lots of souls, all kinds of souls. Men, women, old, young, black, white, he's interested in souls. And if I want God's blessing in my life, if I want to experience his happiness, the joy of the Lord, then I need to tap into what's important to him. And when I do that, and a lot of you are doing that right now, if I tap into that, then God will make me happy. It's not the other way around. And then he says, So take the bag of gold from him who hid it and give it to the one who has ten bags. See, this guy over here, he's been faithful. He's got ten bags. God knows he can count on him. This guy, I don't know if I can count on him or not because he just took his gold out and hid it in the ground. He did not reproduce it. He kept it safe. Safe. Don't you like safe? I like safe. I don't like risks. Taking risks, that can, that can turn around and stab you in the back. That can stomp on your toes real bad. I don't like risks. I want safe. But if I take safe and I just keep it safe, hidden someplace, I don't reproduce what I have, take it away from him and give it to the guy I know I can count on. So some people just keep getting more and more blessed and other people sitting over here whining and pouting because they can't get blessed. Why does God bless other people who don't bless me? There's a reason behind that. And listen, this guy over here who has 10 bags now has 11 bags. And I want you to know, not one of those bags belongs to him. They all belong to the master. Do you understand that? He's got nothing to be proud about. It all belongs to the master. Also, I read this week a story about a, it's a legend about a king who wanted to see what kind of people lived in his kingdom. So he went out to this busy roadway where there was a lot of traffic, and he went out at a time when there wasn't much traffic. And he took a rock and rolled that big rock right out into the middle of the road. And then he went back and hid behind a tree to watch and see who would move the rock. Get it out of everybody else's way. All day long, people went by and went around the rock. Just left the rock right there. They just went around it. 
Finally, toward the end of the day, one poor peasant came by, saw that rock line in the road, rolled it out of the way over to the side. Once he moved the rock, he noticed there were some gold coins laying there in the road with a note. The note said, this is a reward for anybody that clears the way for someone else. What a great moral to that story. I'm sure it was just, it wasn't a, a true story, it was just made up, but that communicates loud and clear. God rewards those who make a way for somebody else. And as we look around us, there's all kinds of people who have rocks in their lives that need somebody to move the rocks out of the way. They can't do it. They don't know they need to move it. They don't know they should move it. All you got to do is move the rock out of somebody else's way and God saw you do it. He's always watching. He's always watching to see who he can bless. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not the other way around. You don't come to God so he'll give you the desires of your heart. You find out what the desires of his heart are. You help make those happen. And then he takes care of you. Because he takes good care of his servants. Somebody say amen. Here's rule number four. It's the rule of avoidance. There are some things we should avoid. Avoid a fire. Get your hand out of there. Avoid a speeding ticket. Some things we want to avoid. And one of those things is the wrath of God. You want to avoid that at all costs. He said, the, the master said, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like a place I don't want to be anywhere near. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a place I want to be. That's the wrath of God. There are consequences to sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When I was a new Christian, I really didn't take that literally. Now that I'm this many years older, having watched people's lives, having watched my own life, I see, yes, the wages of sin is death. I may not have a funeral, but there is plenty of pain. There's death of dreams. There's death of relationships. There's death of a hope. And the wages of sin is death. So we need to find out what is sin and avoid it at all costs. Quarter of a century ago, my, when they, before the housing market collapsed, everybody was building houses. There was a big boom in the economy. And my wife and I decided, because we couldn't find a place that we liked close to the church to rent, we decided to build a house. So we, uh, we had to subdivide some land off from an 80-acre field. And to do that, it starts with a survey. You've got to get somebody that will survey the land. So we got a surveyor to come in and surveyed off what we wanted, this three-acre section of that field. And uh, he, as he was measuring, he came to me and he said, do you want to, do you want to uh, have a true east and west line or do you want to have a line, property line that's parallel with your other boundary, the north boundary? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he told me this story. 
Back in the, uh, I don't know, the early days of our country, when pioneers were moving west to settle the Northwest Territory, which Indiana was a part of that, the U.S. government understood that they needed to have some highways for these pioneers to go to their new lands west. So they established a series of east-west roads in, across the Indiana, the new Indiana state where, where pioneers could run their wagons and not be sinking in the mud. One of those routes is what we today call US-6. Runs right through Waterloo. Back then, the, the route was a little bit south of where it is today on the other side of the tracks. It's County Road 28. That used, that's why we call it Old Six. It used to be U.S. Highway 6. You might not have known that. And the federal government authorized these surveyors to go out and make a, a, a highway straight from, from the Ohio border all the way across to the Illinois border. Straight west. Straight line. So they did that. Back then they didn't have very accurate survey tools. And surveyors made some mistakes, as you might have experienced driving up and down some county roads that take a jog every now and then, because this surveyor's line and this surveyor's line didn't quite measure up. And what he was telling me is County Road 28 was not true east and west. It's, it's crooked. It's not quite straight. They thought they were going due west. They were going a little bit northwest. And the further they went, the further they got offline. Ever since then, anytime a surveyor comes in to survey some property, they always go back to the baseline, which is US 6. Crooked US 6. And that's why the surveyor was asking me do I want to go true east and west or do I just want to follow the false line? I told him, oh no. Not me. I want true east and west. I don't care if I have a rectangle or not. I just want, I want that line as it should be. The moral of the story is you need to find out what the truth is before you start building off that, that false truth. This is where we are in America. There's all kinds of false truths out there. Nobody knows what the truth is. What is the truth about COVID anyway? What's the truth about the vaccine anyway? What's the truth about politics anyway? What is the truth? Nobody knows what the truth is anymore. You got to find a true baseline. And one of the wisest things a Christian will do in this deceitful world is get back to the book. This is the truth. This gives us the baseline. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to get back to what God says because he's the one whose favor I want in my life. I don't care if I got the politician's favor or not. I want to know what he says. Okay. Here's rule number five, and I got, to, got three minutes. I got to end with this. Number five, it's the rule of responsibility. We have to be responsible. Nobody else is responsible for my decisions. Nobody else is responsible for my misfortune. I'm responsible for me. We have to be responsible here. He says, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. In charge? That sounds like responsibility. 
He's going to put me in charge. I don't know if I want to be in charge. I'd rather sit in the back seat. Why do I have to sit in the front seat? Maybe it's because he's put me in the front seat. Maybe it's because I need to be responsible for where I am. And we learn from this, from this text that the reward for being faithful is more responsibility. If I'm faithful to God and he expands my territory, he broadens my horizons, he allows me to be more successful, he gives me more responsibility. Some of us really don't want responsibility. We want somebody else to fix it for us. We want somebody else to carry us through the tough times. But we're the ones that have to do this, and we've got God on our side. Isaiah 54, verse 2. Listen to this. This is what God, this is God's instructions for Israel. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. That's back when people lived in tents, not houses. They worked out of the tents, not out in in businesses. And he's saying, expect a blessing. Prepare for a blessing. Strengthen, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Get ready for a blessing. I want to speak to our church, New Hope Christian Center. Get ready for a blessing. God's not going to send us people if we don't love them, if we don't take care of them, if we don't disciple them. We've got to look out for one another because his passion is souls. We've got to take responsibility with what he's given us. Moses tried to get out of responsibility. God said, I want you to go, I want you to, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses said, yeah, but God, if I do that, they're going to, the people are going to say, well, who sent you? Who sent you? And he began to argue with God. How am I going to convince them it's really you that's backing this up? And God says, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, this? Oh, it's my shepherd's staff. I'm a shepherd. Every shepherd has a shepherd's staff. And God says, throw it down. So he threw it down. And it turned into a serpent. A big snake. And God says, now pick it up by the tail. I don't know about this. God's trying to convince him. God's given him, uh, he's given him a word. And he says, now pick it up. Reaches down and it stiffens right back up again. And he says, if Pharaoh gives you a hard time, you just do that again. Every time you throw it down, it's going to turn into a serpent. Every time you pick it up, it's going to turn back into a snake. What's that in your hand, Moses? Just a shepherd's staff. Insignificant, not important. So I want to use the Lord's words on you this morning. What's that in your hand? Oh, what I have in my hand? It's not important, insignificant. All you need is what's in your hand. God's not asking you to be responsible for what's not in your hand. He's asking you to serve him faithfully with what is in your hand. 
Just be faithful where you are. God's not going to hold you responsible for what you don't have. He will hold us responsible for what we do have. What's that in your hand? Maybe nothing insignificant, but it's all you need. Everything you need for righteousness and godliness is already in your hand. It's right in front of you. Let's stand together this morning. Now I want you to hold your hands out in front of you like you're holding the gift of God. You know, it said, uh, it said in our story, it uses the term bags of gold. Five bags, two bags, one bag. King James Version uses the word talent. Now, talent was a monetary amount, so it's accurate to say that. But I like it because I want us to think about our talents. Your gifts, your abilities, your education, finances you do have, your knack. You know, some of us have a knack at something other people don't have. Why do you have that knack and other people don't? Because God's put that knack in you. He wants to work. This is your knack. This is what you're good at. This is what little bits you do have. Now I want you to visualize, um, use your imagination here, and lift that gift, that talent up before the Lord like it's an offering you're presenting to Him. Heavenly Father, right now, Father, as we, as we hold our hands up with this in our imagination, this is our gift. This is what we have to work with. And we're lifting it before you. We ask that you will anoint it, that you will quicken it, that you will bring it to life, that you will multiply it, that you will do what you do so well with what we have so that we can be faithful servants of you. So one day we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Those of you that were watching at home, if you did that, if you did that exercise, I believe God saw your heart. Which is a simple thing we did, but I believe it was a faith step. And those of you at home that did it, you get the same result as the people here in the house that did it. We're going to sing one last song, and I want us to kind of keep this thought in our mind, because the song has to do with what we just talked about.